This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversation with hosts Leah Lem and Dr. Anthony Stately. COVID-19 Community Conversation is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. Anine, hello, I'm Leah Lem. And I'm Anthony Stately. We're back with more conversations, more explorations about how Indian country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Miigwech, and thank you all for joining us. Yes, absolutely. How are you, Leah? Good. I'm super excited to be back chatting with you. Very grateful for the conversations we've had through this whole year. You bring your expertise to these conversations as the head of the Native American Community Clinic in Minneapolis. And today, drumroll, is our last conversation for the 2022 season. I know. So we're reflecting on our journey through the COVID-19 pandemic. How about that? <laughs> I know. It's hard to believe it's already the end of 2022. Mm-hmm. So... We'll revisit some of the people we've chatted with since the pandemic began and reflect about what we as community members can still do to keep the virus at bay. And today we'll discuss the precautions that we should still be considering and how we're thinking about those decisions. But first, I want to go way back to the beginning of the pandemic when there were so many unknowns and the normalcy we once knew was clearly crumbling. Do you remember that? I, it's pretty vivid, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I do remember it. I had like, you know, a lot of personal experience with it. You know, back when the pandemic first started, there was no vaccine, of course. So we had stay-at-home orders, at-home schooling. I remember that very vividly. Yeah. Um, mask mandates and social distancing. It was so heartbreaking You know, I'm a musician and I like hanging out with people, you know, gigs canceled, like stuff canceled left and right. And I remember when the pandemic first started and we're like, oh, we're going to reschedule for the summer or for the fall Mm -hmm. with that like hopeful naivete that we had at the time, which looking back, it was tough, but we got through it. And then we got vaccines late 2020 early 2021 yeah yeah um got got those vaccines right away um as soon as i could anyway and then of course we started seeing variants and long covid so it really has been a journey yeah it's been a really long journey i was just talking to my son about this last night cuz he has this project he had to do for school today um and one of the things he had to do was he had to do a compare and contrast between himself and the main character of The Alchemist, you know, like trying to reach a goal. He had to come up with his own idea of like a goal that he was trying to achieve over this last year. And, you know, there were in that novel, that character had a lot of trials and tribulations he had to overcome to achieve his goal. And my son was like scratching his head like, okay, my goal was we won the state championship. What were my trials? I said, you did that in the middle of a pandemic. And skating with masks on and like, you know, (laughs) practices being canceled uh, at the last minute. And I said, if you remember the one year, like your team, you could like the the year of the the big year of the pandemic in the middle of the in the middle of the season, you had to stop playing hockey and then come back after being gone for like six weeks or something like that and then play the playoffs, which you guys won. 
So I said, those are real, those are really important things. Like try to remember the context of what you were doing um, in the middle of all of those things. We were facing a worldwide challenge as the entire society across the entire globe. And within that context, you had to work hard and achieve and show up and do Herculean things. Maybe they didn't seem Herculean at the time because they're things you've done forever, but they were Herculean in the context of a of what we were facing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to take time to reflect on, you know, that these are unprecedented times. It's not something that we're supposed to be used to, but here we are. So through this whole time, one idea that was shared with us early on, there was this idea that the virus is a spirit and that spirit should be respected. And we had Sharon Day on, who is an elder from the Boys Fort Band of Ojibwe. And, and Sharon is also the executive director of the Indigenous Peoples Task Force in Minneapolis. And Melissa Townsend got to speak with Sharon. And they had a conversation about a phone call that Sharon had with some elders. And they said every day, beginning with the new moon, they were going to make a tobacco tie early in the morning. And they were going to do that for 28 days. They said, you know, this virus has a spirit. And we have to speak to that spirit and ask for it to go to the outer reaches of the universe or to the depths of the ocean and to leave us alone. I actually listened to that interview way before <laughs> I became a co-host. And I think she talks a little bit about like how, you know, we have to, like any spirit, we have to respect it. We have to have a relationship with it talk to it mm-hmm. really did inform actually my own experience. So like when I was in the hospital, like I was reminded, like it's the spirit, talk to it, thank it for showing up and giving you whatever lesson you have to learn right now and, and then ask it to go. I think kind of what we're grappling with is treating the virus with respect versus having fear of the virus. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it makes sense to be afraid it was and does continue to take the lives of people and get people really sick. So the concept of acting with respect towards mm-hmm. the virus, mm-hmm. I think is really helpful and empowering and hopeful as opposed to being fearful. Yeah. It reminds me of this conversation I had one time with um, some elders who we were talking about the drug epidemic. And they were telling me that, you know, Alcohol and drugs are also like a spirit, and it's like you have you have to look at it as a formidable foe, right? It's a it's a it's it's a challenger. Some people could call it an enemy, you know, enemy of health and well being, whatever you want to think of it as. But in that context, what they were saying was like even in battle or even in um, confronting a formidable foe, you want to do that respectfully. You want to understand what that relationship is between that you and that that visitor and have respect for it and have an understanding of your response and how you manage that 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 foe showing up in your life because mm-hmm. there's a lesson to be learned in that interaction with that entity right or that spirit mm-hmm. and Fear immobilizes, whereas awareness and um, activates intention. Mm-hmm. 
And I know we've also talked about the value of being a good relative and making decisions based on that cultural value has been really important throughout too. And this pandemic has been so devastating that, you know, making sure that we can all take look out for one another goes a long way. So more than a million people have died because of COVID in the United States alone. And in Indian country, the effects of the virus have been exacerbated by historically poor health conditions. In a recent study, the CDC revealed that Native American life expectancy from 2019 to 2021 fell from 72 years to 65 years. Yeah, that's dramatic. Very dramatic. Erased a lot of gains that we made over the last 20, 30, 40 years in Native American health. So I think when you look at it from that perspective, it helps you to understand the scale of the impact of the pandemic on tribal communities and on Native people, and also elucidates like how much work we have in front of us to get back to where we were before 2020. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tremendous amount of work. And another voice I want to bring in here is Vanessa Goodthunder from the Lower Sioux Indian Community. And she spoke about something that we've discussed too. And, and what we just mentioned is how this pandemic is unprecedented. I mean, especially for our lifetimes. Uh, it's something that we're just not used to. And we shouldn't be expected to be used to because this pandemic is unprecedented. So here's Vanessa Goodthunder. You know, nobody's seen this. I asked an elder, you know, have you seen something like this in your lifetime? And I was just expecting them to say, you know, yeah, there's this one time. And she just said, no, I haven't seen anything like this in my whole life. And I was like, oh, dang. Okay. Don't panic, Vanessa. (laughs) Um, Then another one just reminded me to remember prayer Mm -hmm. during this. And I think that's super helpful because sometimes when it gets to be crazy, we forget about that calmness that we need to have in that prayer um, because we we do have instincts to and resiliency to get through this. We've done it before as people. So that, that was a really nice reminder. So while Native communities are experiencing incredible losses, you know, devastation, at the same time, we know that we can lean on resilience, prayer, culture, and our communities to get through this time. Because there's so many unknowns um, that, you know, things can feel chaotic and like the foundation is shifting under you. Um, So how do you grapple with unknowns, especially with the pandemic? I think what I learned through this process is like how important it is to, to rely on prayer and experience and collective wisdom. You know, I think I mentioned this one once before, like, you know, what, what has always been really helpful for me. And there have been a lot of times in my life, especially within the most recent, you know, um, several years is like a lot of like unknowns about like, you know, all kinds of things, my own health, like when I was in the hospital, 
raising kids, which I had never done before, right? Um, there's all kinds of things that I didn't really have a roadmap for. And one of the things I learned a lot in this process was the value of relying on what's worked for our people since time immemorial, you know, prayer, ceremony, um, inviting in the ancestral knowledge and wisdom and, 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 and helping and, and collective wisdom, helping to sort of like bring all these resources to the table to solve a conundrum, right? That, that's, that's been one of the greatest lessons of this whole experience. And, you know, to use an over, uh, overused phrase sometimes, it's like, it's important to approach these kinds of things with some curiosity, not fear, but curiosity. I wonder what this is telling me about the direction the world is moving in. I'm, one, I'm wondering what lesson I'm supposed to learn in this. I'm wondering what I'm supposed to take away from this experience that will help me to become a better relative, will help me to sort of be more strong the next time I'm facing something of this nature, um, help me to make good decisions and not panic and act out of um, fear and chaos. And those are really important lessons to take away from this conversation and the experience of the last two and a half years. I don't think that the pandemic is over. I think that it's likely that we're going to see, you know, COVID become like an endemic, um, something we live with on a regular basis. I think it is a smart virus. It'll continue to sort of mutate and challenge us in different ways. In many of the same ways that, you know, HIV challenged us globally for a really long time until we understood that virus better, right? I think it's really important also to remember that we're only two and a half years into this process, right? We, we haven't had a very long relationship with this virus or this spirit, this thing that's visiting us. And we'll be in a different place in five, 10, 15 years than we are today. But it's important to take a, away the lessons that we learned about it and... You know, I think it's also worth noting that for me, I think we'd be in a different place, even with all of the losses we've had, we've beaten, we've, we'd be in a much worse place if we didn't rely on those things like our, our ceremonies, our prayer, our collective wisdom, our generosity of spirit the desire and the willingness and the and the value of taking care of one another and making other people as important sometimes more important than my own well-being these are things that we've lived with that have helped us to to bounce back from adversity and be stronger in the face of adversity because and these things have worked for generations you're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. Today, we're wrapping up the 2022 season of Community Conversations, and we've been reflecting on where we've been in the pandemic so far. And now, let's take some time to discuss how we can continue to maintain through the stress it brings. Anthony, I know this is right up your alley, and... Have you seen any lasting effects from those isolating times? Yeah, I mean, I think even within my own family and my own personal sort of like space, one of the things I see is like, you know, people have gotten used to sort of not 
being in social space with one another, right? I've seen, you know, less excitement to sort of kind of gathering together and celebrating and, you know, sharing space and time with family. Some of that I think is like we got sort of complacent. We got used to sort of being, you know, in our homes, on our social media, in front of the TV, binge watching Netflix, Mm. doing a bunch of other things to sort of comfort ourselves and through the process. And I think, you know, I know that my own children had a lot of social anxiety returning to school. I know some family members who had social anxiety just sort of kind of stepping back out of their homes and going back to like going back to work, you know, being in, you know, being in community again, those kinds of things. My observations are that people are social animals and they want to spend time together and Within the context of the pandemic, what we've had to do is try to figure out how to help ensure people could have emotional and psychological safety and still be socially connected. And that was different than before the pandemic. We navigated that space differently, right? And maybe we didn't need it so much within the context of, Mm -hmm. of our daily lives prior to the pandemic. But I think what I saw happen after the vaccines roll out is that people got really excited about being in communal space again, going back to our gatherings, powwows, going back to our ceremonies, mm-hmm. doing the things that really provided, you know, spiritual support to us that then also improved our psychological, emotional, and social well being. And I think what mm-hmm. the pandemic challenged us with in that regard was like how to do those things and how to do them responsibly as good relatives and how to, how to keep people safe within that context. And I saw a lot of creativity happen. I went to like two, I think, or three Sundances over the year and a half or two years that we were in lockdown. And each... Sundance, you know, intercessor and the folks running those ceremonies found ways to sort of manage those and manage it well, I think, for the most part, as best as they could. And I saw people so incredibly happy to be in ceremony after a year or so of not being in ceremony. And one of the things that made me think about was like, I don't have any context for this other than this pandemic of what it must have been like for our people to lose the religious freedom to be able to have ceremony and do that in public and just do it whenever we wanted to, mm-hmm. you know. And until the Religious Freedom Act in 1978, a lot of our ceremonies, like I didn't grow up with ceremony when I was a young person. And I think a lot of that was indirect, a direct result of like it being outlawed. But as a young man... When I, I can remember the day that I went to my first sun, um, uh, sweat lodge ceremony. I can remember the first time I went to a pipe ceremony, the impact that that had on me of recognizing what it felt like to not have it and then mm. all of a sudden have it in my life. And so just that even little tiny break mm-hmm. we took with COVID, the impact of being able to step back in that space and share communal space our ceremonies, our powwows, our social dances, 
those things that really breathe life as Indigenous people back into us. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, one of the takeaways from this experience has been like that de- demonstrated for me how critically life supporting and life giving those things are for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And like you said, a big part of that, a big part of being able to come back together and be closer is um, the precautions you can take, the precautions we all can take, Mm -hmm. including vaccines. And the vaccine has been around for almost two years now. (laughs) And within the last few months, we've gotten access to a new version of the vaccine known as the bivalent booster. And a a guest that we've had on a couple times now on Community Conversations is registered nurse Laz Carrion from the Indian Health Board of Minneapolis. Uh, He's been leading IHB's work against COVID-19 as the COVID project manager, and he does a great job explaining many things, including the new booster. So these bivalent COVID vaccines are very similar to the original COVID vaccine. The only difference is the spike protein which is the genetic makeup of the virus. This addition is based on the spike protein of BA4, BA5, which are the circulating variants right now. So it's catching up to where we're at. If you're eligible for this vaccine, this is the one you want to get. This is the one that's going to offer you the best protection right now. Yeah, so it's a good reminder that the bivalent booster is available Mm -hmm. for people ages five and up. Lots of places you can get it. You can get it at the Native American Community Clinic. You can get it at any health board. You can get it at your primary care clinic. You can get it at the Walgreens and your local drugstores mm-hmm. or pharmacies. As I mentioned in a previous conversation, a two-for-one. It's very important. Yep, a two-for-one. <laughs> yep. Who doesn't love a two-for-one? I think it's also really important here, <laughs> parenthetically, I think it's really important to point out here too, is like what we have seen, especially since... The scalability of the vaccines and also with the new boosters, what we see now is the people who are continuing to get very ill and very sick. And, you know, we're still hovering around, I don't know, something like 100 to 200 and some odd deaths a day. That's not insignificant. Um, It's about the same number of people that we lose to other things like motor vehicle accidents and a few other things. So it's still important on the scale of that sort of when you compare it to those things but the but people who have the vaccine and the boosters and they and they also take the precautions that they need to when they're when they are very vulnerable these are the people that are not showing up in the hospital and not dying right and so i think that's a really important thing to to amplify and remind people Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you do fall ill with COVID, there is a treatment that will help reduce the severity. Paxlovid is available for people that do get sick, but there's somewhat limited criteria uh, to when you can take it and cert- certain medications that you can take it with. Um, Dr. Angela Erdrich from IHB, again, Indian Health Board of Minneapolis, spoke with us a few months ago on Community Conversations that, and she says it's best to know ahead of time what you need to do to get Paxlovid. So know your plan in case you get sick. Sometimes my thought process turns to preparing for COVID 
you know, like that's one one area that we can do better with people to prepare your family members who may be at higher risk. So I've really recommended to countless people like to try to figure out um, where you can get Paxlovid, which is the oral antiviral, which is from people with mild to moderate symptoms, age greater than 12. There's no shortage of it. There's no priority list or anything like that. The main issues are there's medication interactions and sometimes people have to, they can't take it, but um, sometimes they can, but just have to stop some of their medicines for a few days. And so I've told people, you know, make a, prepare in advance, make appointment with your providers to see if you're a Paxlovid candidate and then you'll be ready for it. And I've even had, you know, through Facebook or whatever, like just dozens and dozens of people contacting me because they're on vacation or something. They're like, how can I get Paxlovid? I'm up in a different part of the world or whatever. And I was like, you know, your doctor can, if you make a call to them, they can actually prescribe it to another area of the country. We can prescribe across state lines just so people have a plan in advance. You know, a lot of CVSs, especially 24-hour CVSs have the medicine. Indian Health Board has the medicine, uh, Paxlovid. Dr. Erdrich also said that Paxlovid can only be taken within five days of getting COVID symptoms. She says that's one of the reasons that you should prepare ahead to get Paxlovid as soon as possible. Yeah. Before we visited with her, I didn't even hear the words COVID plan. Like she used that term and I was like, so then I started telling people about that. Like my relatives and my family members, what's your COVID plan? What's your COVID plan? Do you have a COVID plan? Well, as we round out this show, is there anything you want, you're thinking about moving forward in this pandemic? Like, What's next? Um, you know, I'm kind of like from a professional perspective, I'm paying attention to sort of information coming in about, you know, the typical things that we sort of kind of contend with um, seasonally. You know, we're, the, we're at the beginning of, you know, flu season here. Um, and... You know, the weather's turning colder, the, you know, the nights are getting longer and people tend to congregate and huddle inside a whole lot, right? During this time of year here in Minnesota, right? You know, um, we stay indoors, we share a lot of close-knit quarters, holidays are coming up, people are going to congregate and share food and all kinds of things. The other thing you're going to share is viruses, Um and, yeah. you know, we're probably likely to see, you know, there's a, the anticipation that there's a good likelihood that we will see a confluence of like, you know, some co- upticks in COVID, some outbreaks with flu. And then we have a couple of other sort of like um, serious respiratory things that have been struggling with, not just in Minnesota, all across yeah. the United States, um, um, RSV, right? There's yep. some expectations that these three things coming together at a you know, opportune time um, could cause some serious health concerns for young children, older people, people who are mm-hmm. immunocompromised who are going to possibly need to take extra care and precautions um, over the next several weeks and months. One of the things I think it's important that you think about um, is that you know, if you have been sick with COVID before, if you 
have some scarring in your lungs or you have other lung conditions or respiratory conditions that make you more vulnerable to getting sick and sick or seriously ill, that you pay attention to those things carefully. And if you have any of those symptoms that you see your primary care doc as quickly as you possibly can and also test because um, the confluence of those three things could be very serious for any one individual, mm-hmm. even with some strong healthy immune system. So people who have some compromisation or compromises with their health, they may um, want to take extra precautions around that. Absolutely. Thank you for that note. It is very important to keep tabs on our health, um, maintain communication with our our physicians, our primary care physicians. Um, and, you know, we're, I'm not a doctor <laughs> and I, I, I know what I know about my body, but um, I want to make sure that, that I repeat that, how important it is to make sure that you talk to an expert um, and talk to an expert that you trust. Yeah, I would agree. Great. Well, Chimigwech, Dr. Anthony Stately, for co-hosting Community Conversations with me. Your expertise and your wisdom has been tremendously valuable. And a big thank you to all the people that have shared their experiences and expertise with us on COVID-19 Community Conversations. And thank you for listening today. Chimigwech, I'm Anthony Stately. And I'm Leah Lem, Gigawabaman, and we wish you health. Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.